0: Y'all are going to keep praying. Goodness gracious. You may be seated. Okay, so you may notice a little more extra space in front. Here's what's going to happen. Don't be nervous. Uh, A year and a half ago, I turned up the, the heat, so to speak, on what we do on Wednesdays. We started doing something called prayer. It was very controversial at the time, and I actually scared a lot of young people. They came to me and literally told me why they can't pray on Wednesdays. It was terrifying for everyone involved. And we debated a lot. I prayed a lot, and I thought a lot. About what can God do and not do it on Wednesday. I realized all my thoughts about Wednesdays were not biblical. And the reason why I stopped pushing for more is because I was just embarrassed. If I tried to push for more of God and y'all didn't want more of God, then I'd look awkward and mean. But, you know, I got over it. I'm a grown man now. You know, I don't care as much as people think. So I'm going to give you the opportunity to have a real altar call at the end of this uh, sermon tonight. I know it may be awkward for you. But as we've learned the last three months of not having altar calls upstairs, uh, you actually need altar calls. We've actually taken out the top, we're taking out the row tomorrow so we can have an altar call space again. So we can actually start doing that again. I say this, here's the little end of the commercial in the fine print. If your parents have told you to stay clear of everybody, stay clear of everybody. If you feel uncomfortable because of COVID to come down, don't come down. Uh, But if you do feel comfortable, and here's my thought, I was like, well, I don't know if they should stand this close, but we're doing it upstairs now and maybe, and I realized a lot of you are still hanging out and going to each other's houses riding the same cars and kissing each other and holding hands and everything. So, I figure it'd be fun. Yeah. We'll, we'll survive one altar call. So, I want to see if he was blushing or not. No, I'm If he blushes two more shades, something needs to be confessed. So, here's what's going to happen. At the end of my sermon, uh, Devin Gibson over here is going to take up the music gradually so that your fear will not will be hidden by the tone of worship music. And I'm going to invite you down. And um, you just you stand where you want to stand and pray. Nothing weird's going to happen. You're just praying here. Because we've all learned human nature, something spiritual actually happens when you just kind of make yourself a little uncomfortable and you walk down the front. Because I don't know, but you probably, hasn't, you probably haven't felt God as much in church at the end of services as you did before, have you? It's been kind of hard. And so we're going to try it. And we're not going to judge ourselves too harshly. We're not going to push ourselves too hard. All I'm asking is as a small thing. Just to come down and stand and lift your hands. We've done it thousands of times upstairs in a youth services. And we're just going to see what God does. And if it's awkward and weird tonight, we're just going to do it next week. Well, actually, we're going next week. We're going to just keep doing it. And then two years from now, we may actually feel God while doing it. And it would be incredible. So you okay with that? Good, because I didn't care. okay so tonight i want to talk to you about the concept or the topic of conversations i feel so distant from you right now it's so weird i'm used to being right there uh conversations i don't mean the conversations you have with your friends nor the conversations you have with your parents which i'm sure those are interesting i mean the conversations you have with your own self the conversation that you seem to have with separate people they seem to have words you've never heard before and good arguments that you didn't know were coming the conversations you have with things like fear anxiety your past your future your confidence your insecurity they almost seem like separate people that talk to you and you have pretty detailed conversations with every day well merit that doesn't seem like that's not a real conversation well actually it's more real than any conversation you'll have with me it's more real than any conversation you'll have with that person that inspires you or that person that bullies you these conversations you have with fear, doubt, shame, lust, temptation, confidence, faith, hope, they're more real than any other conversation you have because they cause more real results in your life. All of a sudden, you, you accomplish something you didn't know you could accomplish and you look back and you've been communing and talking with faith a lot. And all of a sudden, you have a failure or a breakdown or a bad day and you realize, where'd this come from? And then you think, well, I've actually been talking anxiety for a long time now before that happened. So I'm going to zero out on how real these conversations are and how to deal with these conversations, okay? Firstly, they are very, very real. The Bible, I love this verse. I used it a couple of sentences ago about a different sermon. But God works in two ways. He gives you the work to do and the will to do it. The work is thou shalt not do this and you should do this. You should pray. You shouldn't go here. You should live this way and you shouldn't live this way. It's all the things, all the actions you do for God, the work. It's like David, you go slay Goliath. That's the action, slay Goliath. But the problem is, you ever notice that you know exactly what to do? Not, knowing what to do is not our problem. It's having the will to do it. And the Bible says that God gives you the will. We've all been there, and you know you need to do homework. And you know if you studied this long, school would get better. You know if you didn't text that, that one negative person, you'd actually be happy to do that. You know like, what to do. And if I get up and work out, I won't get fat. Like You know what to do, but what's your problem? What's my problem is... I don't seem to have the will to do it sometimes, right? The energy, the passion, like I have the steps, I just don't have the spiritual fortitude to do it. Where'd my will go? And that's why it's so important because knowing what to do is not the end all be all. Having the will to do it is also very important and God gives it to you. But these conversations in your head, they rob you of your will to do it. You talk to anxiety and it still is your confidence. You, you, you talk to fear and it makes you afraid of life. You talk to doubt and all of a sudden things that once were, were easy, now you can't do it. Have you ever? Usually you're a confident, outgoing person. You carry on conversations other well. But all of a sudden you're like, okay, don't stutter. Don't stutter. Don't say anything stupid. Don't stutter. And what do you do? You stutter and you say something stupid. Why? Because you, you psyched yourself out. And that's a silly example. But that's how these conversations work. Don't you think it's weird that Goliath was so big and bad? He had a spear that was taller than the average man. He was nine foot, ten foot tall. He was was intimidating. And David comes out. David's small. David's a young man. David has a sling. David's not supposed to be that challenging to Goliath. And so you think Goliath should have just attacked him, just fought him. But what did Goliath do? Goliath wanted to talk to him. What? Yeah, he's like, listen, you're small, and you're going to fail, and I'm going to kill you, and the, and the crows are going to eat of you, and it's going to be uh, awful and painful. And we think that David talked to Goliath. like David fought back verbally. and He debated Goliath and proved God right. David really didn't talk to Goliath. David said, uh, look to my God about this. I'm not here to talk to you. It's not about me. I'm not going to justify myself and say, well, I've got this talent and this talent. David said, I'm not going to talk to you. My God's bigger than you. My God's going to deal with you. And they fall. But why did Goliath want to talk? This powerful man, why did he want to talk to David? Because Goliath had been talking to the whole army of Israel for like 40 days. And they were scared. They had not even had a fight yet. And the men are terrified of Israel. Hadn't even fought the man yet. and They're terrified. Why? He walked in every day and he talked to them. What did he do to them? He robbed their will. Warriors that were talented never even lifted their sword because the conversation had robbed their confidence and their will and their passion. It's like this. Let me get very applicable because I want to help you tonight. You want to have a prayer time on your day. Like, I'm going to pray 15 minutes and here's what happens. You begin to talk to your doubts. Well, you know, uh, what if I'm not, not in the right headspace? My energy kind of low. Maybe I should pray tomorrow uh, morning. But, you know, you never wake up early enough to do that. So don't, don't try that again. You've tried that before. You should pray now. I know, but I think I'm too lazy. Maybe I shouldn't pray. And, and what if... I, uh, I pray too much about me. I don't want to be selfish. Uh, so, but what if I don't repent deep enough? What if I just kind of repent passively? Will God accept that? I don't want to make God mad. What if I don't pray enough for the lost people? What if I don't pray enough for my family? What if I forget somebody? Uh, what if I'm not thankful enough? And, and, and you think, should I bust out the prayer guide? Should I not pray with the prayer guide? Like, should I pray long or short? And you freak yourself out. And what happens is this. You don't pray. You knew what to do. But what happened was, because you talked to your doubt... Because you failed to pray multiple days and it tells you about that. It reminds you. All of a sudden, what's missing? Your will to do it. All of a sudden, years go by and we don't have prayer life. So we don't know. I know what to do. It's so easy. When on Sundays, I'm like, duh. But what happens is, is we carry on conversations we've had a thousand times. And it robs you of your will. It takes it from you. And see, talking to fear, talking to doubt, talking to anxiety, it never works. You're not supposed to talk to that. See, I'm going to give you a spoiler alert and I'm going to justify myself for the next 20 minutes. Here's the secret. You ready for this? Here's how you overcome fear and anxiety and lust and temptation and, and everything. You ready? It's going to be so profound it's going to blow your mind. Okay, hold on to your eyebrows. Here we go. Don't talk to it. Don't talk to it. You're not supposed to talk to it. Well, Mary, are you telling me to ignore my feelings and bottle it up and become a basket case? No, I'm saying you don't talk to fear. You talk to God about your fear. It's totally different. We spend so much time talking to ourselves, trying to fix ourselves, debate with ourselves, talk to our futures, figure out what's wrong with us, and we don't talk to God about it at all. And we're like, how do you pray? I don't know how to pray. Here's how you pray. You tell God what's freaking you out. There's your prayer life. Check. You did that today. Here's what happens. Here's how God wants you to do this. You're walking through your life in fear shows up, hey, I was thinking about this and that, you walk past fear and you tell God, hey, I saw fear today, God, and he was talking to me again, but I'm not going to talk to him. I want you to talk to him because he confuses me and he messes me up. And so today I'm telling you what he's trying to say to me, but you deal with him. It's very biblical because every time you talk to the worst parts of you, you will always fail. I don't know why we think conversations like is how you solve problems. Talk it out, not with your humanity. Because it will always confuse you. You know what Samson was doing? He killed a lion on his way to see a Philistine woman. A couple days later, he comes back. Samson's not allowed to touch dead things. It's like part of his like thing to do. If you do this, you'll be blessed and used. He's not allowed to drink of uh, wine or grape juice. He's not allowed to cut his hair. And so, but days later, he walks past the dead thing again. Probably not a good thing to do, Samson. It goes some, near something that you're not supposed to do. And it doesn't say what happens. It just says that he saw that the honey that was growing in this lion. Bees has formed a honeycomb, and it's not the carcass. I mean, there's honey. And he wants to eat of this honey. It doesn't say the conversation, but you and I are human. We know how humans think. This is what Samson probably thought. I shouldn't touch the dead thing. Like, that's one of my big rules, but, but maybe it's not as big as like the whole uncut hair thing. Like, I get it, if I cut my hair, there goes my ministry, my strength. But it, I don't know if God holds that as high as if I ate something or touched something from an unclean thing. So, you know, we begin to rate our sins. We begin to validate and think about and compromise and debate the worst parts of ourselves. Well, it's only one time and it's not going to hurt anybody. And I can repent about it. And if I'm free from it for a month, maybe then I'll be over it. It's only one more chance. And if I text them, I'm not really having a relationship with someone out in church. I'm just talking. And then if I watch that movie, I can just skip the scene. It won't affect me. I'm stronger than that. And all of a sudden, one talk becomes a relationship and one moment becomes an addiction, and one chance be- opens a door. Because all you did was you talked to your temptation, and you will always lose. Your fear will always get you. Your anxiety will always get you because you talked to it. He talked himself into it. He partake of it. And you know, here's a scary thing. God didn't take his strength. He waited till he cut his hair to take his strength. But God was just as much disappointed about that as he was anything. But Samson didn't know that. Sometimes God doesn't scold you of everything. He wants you to know what to do. He doesn't want you to be beguiled by your enemy and by your flesh. God means confused. Paul said this, I'm fearful for you, Christians, because I'm kind of like your father and i brought you in to be adopted and to, to marry the, the bridegroom that is Christ. I have a stake in you and I'm afraid that Satan, that serpent, is going to confuse you with subtlety of speech like he confused Eve. And because Eve talked... To the saint, to the serpent, she messed everything up. He said, "I'm afraid of, that. You're gonna forget that living for Christ is very simple. Simple. Don't talk to it. Talk to God. I love this verse. Okay, there is no temptation uncommon among man. Basically, he's saying that everything you've ever dealt with, someone else has dealt with it. There's no symptom, no sin, no fear that is unique to you. So someone's overcame what you've that you're dealing with, and somebody's fell to it. But there's hope for you." And that God will never let you be tempted by something that you don't have the ability to overcome. Wait a second. And He'll always provide a way of escape. Wait, wait. So if you're tempted by it, that's because God thinks you can overcome it. It's almost a check of courage that God believes. If you're tempted by it, it's because I know you can overcome it. When you're saved and born again, you got the Holy Ghost. When you're tempted by it, it gets past the hedge of God's protection. It's because He wants you to use this thing the Bible says that no man think that God has caused you to sin, but God allows things in, ask Job. He allows things he did not create. When he allows something to tempt you, it's because he knows you can conquer it. And he provides a way of escape. Here's why we fall to things we can conquer. We try to talk to it. Because how did it say that God gets us out of things that we can escape? A way of escape. What do you, how do you use a way? You run down that way. You run that away. So what happens is we try to talk to, to, to it. Well, why do I lust so much? Maybe if I prayed more. You know, maybe, if I started, maybe if I changed tomorrow. You know, maybe if I stop looking at that tomorrow. Maybe I can handle Instagram. Maybe I can handle that. Talky, 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 talky. And you keep falling, falling, falling. Because you're so confused. You don't know what's going on. And you're being swept away by these conversations. And God is saying, run, Jack. Get out of town. Run from the lion. Here's what's so scary about this. Poor Eve. God let the serpent in the garden. Why would he do that? And God let Eve be so confused and tempted and she ruined everything. Why would God not be merciful? God let the serpent in the garden because he believed that Eve could overcome him. Wait. God let Satan in the garden because he had confidence in Eve. That's what the Bible says. For God does not let you be tempted by anything beyond your own ability. God believed that Eve could survive this encounter with the serpent. How? As soon as the serpent starts talking, if he would have said, I'm not talking to you because you're not talking good about God and you're kind of creepy, I'm not going to talk to you. And I'm going to tell God about it. I'm going to go to him. I love this. James says, here's how you get rid of Satan in your life. Submit yourselves to God. Basically, you tell God everything. Okay? Submit yourselves to God. You give God everything. Resist the devil and he'll go away. Here's how Eve could have conquered Satan, the dude that we're all scared of. Here's how Eve could have saved the world by not sinning, and and all the pain, the cancer, the brokenness, the broken marriages, the lust, the lies—all of it wouldn't have happened if Eve had done this one thing. Would she have fought him? No. Should have had a sword? No. Would she have shot at him? No. She simply, she had simply not talked to him. She'd overcome him. Wait a second. God trusted her so much to let him in the garden. Because he knew if she just would have the fortitude to not talk to him, she would survive him. It doesn't sound very impressive. It doesn't sound very spiritual. We want to have a sword and armor and everything. But there are some things you overcome by just not talking to it. The biggest, baddest, deceitful person. Here's what happens. When you don't talk to fear, you don't talk to to Satan, you don't talk to anxiety, you starve it of oxygen because it has no power unless it talks to you. That's all it is. All he can do is talk. All your fear, it's not real unless you make it real. I'm not saying bottle up. I'm saying take it to God. Hey God, there is a serpent and he was saying that you're lying to me. And he was saying that, that you're holding me back. What is that about? Problem solved. Clarity and deliverance. But she talked to him first. And the most wonderful example that I can think of to, to illustrate this point is Hezekiah. Hezekiah was king of Judah. And his enemy, the Assyrians whose king's name was Sennacherib, came down to fight him. And so Judah's terrified. Hezekiah is terrified. Those are people of God, that they're hiding behind their walls in Jerusalem. And Sennacherib's chief prince, or his general, shows up. And what does he do? He launches a surprise attack. No. He releases the arrows. No. He sets a nightly ambush. No. He just rolls up with his whole army and just wants to talk. Wait a second. Goliath just wanted to talk at first because he wanted to steal David's will because he was stealing the will of the, David's brothers for 40 days. And Satan ruined everything by just talking to her. If He, he had nothing else up his sleeve besides that one conversation. And then Sennacherib's general shows up and just wants to talk. Here's what happens. This conversation with him describes how you, your fear talks to you, your anxiety talks to you. You're going to be surprised how real this is because I was shocked. Here's what Sennacherib's general said to the people of God, okay? First, he said this. Why do you think that prayer works? That sounds a lot like me, doesn't it? Why do you think that God hears your prayers and that God's actually going to do something for you? That's what he says to them. And I was like, whoa, that sounds a lot like me sometimes. He attacked their conversation with God. Because if I don't trust in talking to God about my problems, I'll go talk to my problems, right? If I don't talk to God about my problems, I'll go stew on anxiety. And I'll go freak out about my future. And I'll go try to talk my way out of temptation. It's so easy just to talk to God. It's like steam gets out of your system. But if you don't trust in it because the enemy's deceived you and told you you can't believe in it, then he's got you. First thing he did, he attacked their conversation. The owners of Judah are sitting there and they're talking to him first. And they're like, well, we do believe more prayers. But then he had more. He said this, you know, so, you know Hezekiah, your king? Didn't he tear down some of the places used to worship God with? What he was referring to is when Hezekiah took over as king, the Israelites were mixing altars where they worshipped pagans and they were using to worship God. And God said, I don't want you to mix it. I want you to destroy the high places. And they were, they were worshipping on places where they weren't supposed to worship. God wanted them worshipping in the tabernacle. And so Hezekiah is cleaning out shop. He's actually establishing holiness and clean living and a good lifestyle that God's asked for him. But because... To a pagan, it looks like he's giving us less chance to worship. Sennacherib's man said, hey, Hezekiah, change some stuff. How do you know he's right? He asked you to live a different way. What if, what if you don't have to live that way? He attacked their lifestyle. First, he attacked their prayer lives, their conversations. Does God ever speak to you? Does God ever hear you? How do you know God answers prayers? And two, what if you don't have to live this way? What if holiness is just too uptight? What if other people were saved? What if, you don't, what if you can't watch that? It's not that big of a deal. He attacked how they were living. He attacked their consecration. He attacked their pureness. What, what if losing your purity is not that big of a deal? He began to remove one chunk of their life at a time. Through what? Conversation. The dude is tearing these people up, and he's just talking to them. And then he says this. They tell him, hey, can you keep your voice down? Because we don't want the army of Judah to hear you on the walls. Because We don't want you to freak them out. Talk to us in Aramaic. The elders are saying that because we understand your language. Well, Sennacherib's general yelled out in Hebrew, the language of the people, to terrify them. He repeated everything he said. Then he said this. He attacked their leadership. Hezekiah lied to you. Hezekiah is going to get you all killed off. He doesn't know God. God doesn't know him. He's asked you to live in stupid ways. I'm going to destroy you all. Unless you do this, you come with me, and I'll give you land like the land you have now. He says this, for I have heard from God. And God told me to punish your land. But if you come with me, I'll give you just what you got. And it hit me. Every time fear and anxiety and sin talks to me, it's trying to replace something. See, bitterness tries to replace that person I used to trust in. But bitterness makes changes how I look at them. And lust, when it talks to me, it tries to replace real human interaction. And anxiety tries to replace my dreams. Every time I talk to something, it's trying to replace something. Hezekiah's general was trying to attack their leadership so he could replace their leadership. So that's what we're about what you listen to, and what you watch, because it's trying to pasture you. He's trying to replace your parents. He's trying to replace your Bible. And all it does is talk to you. And all of a sudden, you don't trust in your talking to God anymore. You don't trust in how you're living for God anymore. And then you're mad at your parents and your pastor for asking to live that way. Because you think, what if they don't know what they're talking about? And then you've lost everything. But you know what they did? All the people of God. Sitting on the walls. He just attacked everything that they hold dear. Just by talking. Did they fight back? Did they scream at him? Did they throw Bible verses at him? Did they, did they debate him? Did they scare him off? Did they fight him? No. They said nothing. Because their king Hezekiah told him not to say a word. Because how do you fight an enemy whose best attack is conversation? You say nothing back. And you tell God about it. Because Hezekiah... He was so scared, but he told Isaiah, the priest, the man of God, the prophet, he said, can you pray to God about this for me? I'm having a hard time, Isaiah. I'm scared. I need to be a good king, but I'm afraid we're going to lose everything. Can you pray to God for me? And Isaiah said, yes. And I'm also going to pray a spirit of confusion upon your enemy. Those people didn't lose their will because they didn't talk to him. Because if they begin to talk to him, he just kept tearing them apart. The best defense to the confusion of your flesh is just not to deal with it and take it to God. And Hezekiah took it to Isaiah, his friend. And Isaiah's friend prayed for him. And God caused confusion. And it made that general that was talking to them, it made him leave. There's peace. Because he left. Because there's a rumor of war in his homeland. And so they have to withdraw. And it's amazing. But something else happens, though. Has Sennacherib, knowing that Hezekiah probably feels like everything's over because they had to leave, he sends him a letter and says, hey, I didn't forget about you. I'm going to take everything you have. And he begins to talk again to him. Your God, when I help you, I've conquered bigger nations. You better surrender to me. He writes a letter to Hezekiah. Hezekiah takes this letter. Does he reply? No, he does not. He takes it and he goes to God's house. He lays it out before God. He hits his knees and begins to cry and pray to God. And God answers him. And he says, I'm going to deal with this. Basically, because you didn't talk to your enemy, but you talked to me about it, I'm going to have something to say to your enemy. God kills 185,000 men the next night. And God sends Sennacherib the king home, and his own sons kill him. That's what happens when God talks to Hezekiah's problems. And Hezekiah didn't have to even talk to it. So you're not God's defense attorney. You're not defending the Bible. God defends the Bible. You don't have to defend your own dreams. God defends them for you. You just tell God about it. You don't have to create yourself and fight for yourself. God does it for you. But if you talk to it, it will confuse you and you'll give up. Sin always follows a conflicted conversation with yourself. Forfeiting something always follows because you psyched yourself out. Your will goes in conversation before your action is affected. But notice this. Okay, I'm almost done. Hezekiah is scared and he tells his friends... And the man of God, Isaiah, pray for me. He did. And God allowed the general to be pulled away. Temporary peace. But the problem came back again. This time, Hezekiah goes and prays himself, and God takes care of his problem forever. Notice the difference. He asked a friend. He bent it to a friend. He told his problems to a friend, and the friend prayed for him. And God brought peace because the friend prayed. But when Hezekiah talked to God directly about his problems, God brought everlasting change. It is very important to talk to your friends about your problems. It's very important that you talk to your pastor, and you talk to us, and you, you, you're clear, and you have accountability. You should keep doing that. I'm not saying stop doing that. But when we pray for you, it will bring a little bit of change and peace. But nothing like what happens when you talk to God yourself. And the, 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 the trap is, is that you trust in my prayer life more than you trust in your own. But it will not bring the same change that happens when you pray. And you trust in your pastor's prayer life more than you trust in your own. And your, and your parents and the old lady that sits four rows back. But it will not bring the same change that happens when you tell God about what's going on in your life. It's as simple as that. Your problems kind of leak out of you when you just talk to him about it. It changes everything. And notice what happens. Hezekiah talked to a friend. His friend talked to God. God talked to his friend. Hezekiah talks to God. God talks to Hezekiah. Here's the key. If you want God to talk to you, you've got to talk to God. If you want God to have peace and joy in your life, and you want God to clarify things, you have to talk to Him. You should tell people what you're going through. You should. It's powerful, but it will never be as good as what happens when you and God chat on the regular. And you and God, you get used to flushing your system out. Why don't you think about that? Whatever you've dealt with, and realize that evil would have won by not doing anything but walking away. Let me make it very practical. The next time you feel tempted, I don't care where you are, you park your car, you go to the break room, you, 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 you mumble on your breath in the classroom, and you tell God exactly what you just felt. Word for word, as detailed and as awkward as that thought, that simple thought was to help to God, it will be removed from you. It works. That anxiety, that fear, as soon as it hits you, don't think about it immediately tell God about it word for word. Talk it out. Under your breath, in your car, out loud, run and tell God about it. And it works. Okay, did you pray at 4 o'clock in the morning? No. Did you pray for an hour? No. But you talked to him in that moment and it worked. Just walk away from it. That's how you do it. That's how you don't talk to it. You walk away from it and you talk to God about it. Because I have sat there crippled and I didn't know why. And I knew what to do, but I didn't have the will to do it, because I thought that it was normal to think those thoughts back and forth. And then I discovered prayer, and then I forgot about prayer, and I rediscovered prayer, and every Tuesday I forget about prayer, and then by Thursday I discover prayer again. And then every, every time I mess up or get fearful, I forget that I never I didn't pray about it. And I'm like, "Oh, yeah, that would have helped." And I know this was what well, it was very applicable. I'm not going to justify myself. I know it applies to your life. you got peer pressure. you got insecurities. Your hormones are raging. This, this is the craziest time of your life. <coughs> don't say amen. <laughs> Just you'll be out be outed. <laughs> yeah, amen. Lord, be offensive. But you know what it's like to have foreign conversations with the worst parts of you. And that by the end of the conversation, you don't even know who you are anymore. and You don't even know how you messed up. Like, it stole your will. you stand with me? I'm only at 26 minutes tonight. That's God's will. Here's what I'm gonna ask you to do. If you're uncomfortable, your parents say stay away from your body, whatever. I'm totally fine with that. Don't feel weird. Um, but I invite you uh, to come down. Devin's gonna keep cranking up the music. We're gonna cover your prayers. If you really want to apply, here's let me say this. If you really want to apply what I preach about tonight, and you actually want to change you, I just invite you to come down, lift your hands, and pray. Okay? It's a commitment, it's faith, it does something, it's very real. But we don't have enough time together to make Wednesdays kind of a default, kind of a dud. And I believe that you need it, and I believe I need it. That these words are real, and I know it's a youth class, and people spill their sodas, and people cough and fart in middle class, and it's hard to focus. <laughs> But imagine if we just had moments, we just tried. I believe that it would change us very quickly. There's moments where you walk down and you just said, God, I'm gonna stand here for the next 10 minutes. I'm I'm gonna close my eyes. And it was a little awkward to walk down here and I hope someone isn't hearing me. And it's youth class, this is weird, it's a Wednesday, but you just talk to God about everything you've talked to yourself about for just a small moment tomorrow you're going to wake up again and work's going to happen again and school's going to happen again and fear's going to happen again and all those conversations are going to start happening again i believe that you can't just hear a word you have to pray the word in your spirit that you can't just hear with this you have to apply with this right i can't just understand a fact i had to start it with obedience it's a perfect song for it so he's gonna keep cranking it up as you come down just come down and lift your hands. Don't be worried about it. And just begin to pray. Okay? Jesus. problems are real so our chances to reach you have to be real Uh, i pray for the dreams of the 14 year old the insecurities of the 16 year old i pray for the anxiety of the 22 year old i pray for the calling and the ministry of the 19 year old i pray that something instinctive happens where almost as a reaction the first thing they do is they go and talk to you about it now they know what to do but they don't have the will to do it they know what go and want to pray, but just having the will to do it is something that must be protected. Because how do days go awry? How do fears become bigger? How do failures happen? How do we lose our peace and our energy and our passion? It's starting because we begin to debate with ourselves, talk to ourselves. I believe that 14-year-olds can prophesy, and that 17-year-olds can interpret tongues. I believe that 18-year-olds can preach revivals. I believe that 12-year-olds can have visions. It's not that we don't know that we can do it and that how to do it. We just don't have the will to reach for it. Because we beat ourselves down as we talk. We question the conversation with you. We question our lifestyle for you. We question those that lead us sometimes. What if we're too strict? What if we've missed it? What if this is all nonsense? we get to talk and those beliefs we get to get inside of us and then we go in the towel another day hopefully tomorrow we better I pray for peace I pray for God, it's a different battle, and I pray for the will of the Lord. And that will comes by conversation. I there to be a peace in that, occurred and that. Sure, He talks to you, sure, He speaks to you, but I pray there'll be a, a renewed peace and honesty to it. No judgment to that word, no judgment in that conversation, no second guessing it, no criticizing it, it's just peace to it. To. Every ounce of your word we got to hear, I thank you for when your spirit is easy to grasp. There's a sweet spirit in this place. As you were stable, you our peace, God, I thank you that you, you've spoken to us and you've moved upon us. In Jesus' name, because we let this moment be what it could be. We didn't overthink it, we didn't condemn ourselves, we just let it be what it could be. And you showed up and you spoke. Sometimes you're not in the fire, sometimes you're not in the earthquake, sometimes you're in that still small voice. And if that's the only way you'll ever move on a Wednesday, we still gotta listen to that still small voice. If you move as fire on Sundays, we can't just walk the fire, we got to let you do this still small voice. I know it was awkward, it was hard. I'm asking a lot of them at this young age, I'm thankful for all their faith and all their obedience, and all their trust in this moment and in me and the you. You've been real. You're going to be real tomorrow. Jesus' name you pray. And the church says, Amen. Amen. You feel good? Listen, I know, you know, a little bit of grinding gears, like, oh, just getting into it. It's like a new coat, new pair of shoes. It's still rough. It's going to get easier. I already feel, and I, I talked about this last uh, Wednesday when I was preaching upstairs. We just don't let God use every moment. We only let him use some moments. Like, unless he's going to move this way, we're just not even going to bother. And I do that. And then I started learning that, can I condemn myself? Like, if, if the fire doesn't fall, then i must going say something wrong. And then I realized that God speaks in whispers. I thought he just spoke in, like, booming voices that sound like Morgan Freeman and just split over to heaven, heaven. And then I realized that like, well, sometimes he whispers. And he says, You know the first time I prayed with a cup of coffee in my hand, I thought I was committing blasphemy. I can't pray with a cup of coffee. That's too relaxed. That God can't move that way. I've got to be like sackcloth and ashes. i got to be like, you know, <laughs> really, I was like. And unless it was 4 a.m. and I was so tired I couldn't see straight, God wouldn't move. And then I was like, I can pray in the afternoon when the birds are singing. And the first time I prayed outside the swing, I thought God wouldn't move, and he moved. Isn't that weird? We get so trapped into prayer closets and Sunday nights and all these ideas that we just trap God. See, the same way you and I, if we just talk serious all the time, you won't want to be around me. But sometimes we joke. We talk about Fortnite, and we talk about silly things, and I say things that make you turn different shades of red and everything. Okay? And that builds, a, that builds a relationship, right? If we talk about the same thing, we wouldn't want to chat. That's how you and God are supposed to be. God has more emotional range than you ever will. God's not a computer program, okay? But we talk to him like he is, like he takes the same input every day. No, no, no. God has more movement in his personality. God laughs deeper than you ever laugh. God gets more happy than you've ever been, and God gets more sad than you've ever felt. God is way more, quote-unquote, human than you are. See, so we think human means sin. It's not. God made you in His image. So everything that's not sinful about you, emotion, not sinful, happiness, joy, sorrow, is not sinful. God feels that way more than you ever can imagine because He made you a little like Him. You're, you're a small reflection of His infinite nature. What I'm saying is this. Talk to God like He's a human. It's not sacrilegious. Talk to God like he's a person. Make God a person again. Okay? And that's what tonight's about. God's a person. God talks to you in different times, different ways, different conversations. Tonight was a small, emotional, you know, fall, Hallmark movie small. conversation. <laughs> you know, and it, let it be that. And after revival's over and we can come back and do this again, we may have like a, oh, God, I'm so sorry. One of those where you're like telling your parents you messed up and they're forgiving you, you know. <laughs> and the next Wednesday, maybe something different. We're just going to let it happen, okay? I appreciate you trusting me. I was afraid none of you would come down. I'm glad you did. Because <laughs> I've been awkward. <laughs> I think I probably should have walked out, right? It just with me you. I just would have walked out. I would have walked out there. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I would have had three. I would have had three of us in or something. Um, so I appreciate you. And... Um, Talk to your friends or
1: something. Let me get out of here. I have a friend. who okay? not <laughs> <laughs> okay, you well, see I my see friend? Some friend. <laughs> <laughs> I have a friend. I have a friend.